you don't get between a mother and her cub. And though my cub is dead, we will find his murderer, but I need all of you. It was November 2016, and Mary Rich and her husband Joel were frustrated. It had been four months since their son Seth had been murdered in Washington, gunned down in an apparent botched robbery. But there had been no progress in the investigation, no suspects, no arrests. So Mary and Joel flew to Washington to make a personal appeal. There had been other robberies in the neighborhood in the weeks before, and he probably put together, hey, they're, they're, they're coming to get my cell phone or something. And two minutes later, he was shot. So what happened in those two minutes? We'd like to, we'd love to know. If you saw anybody coming home that was bruised and bloody, please call the police. It may be the lead we need. Joining Joel and Mary at the press conference that day was a seemingly improbable new figure, a Capitol Hill lawyer and lobbyist who was very much a wild card. Good, good day, everyone. My name is Jack Berkman, uh, J-A-C-K-B-U-R-K-M-A-N. I represent very proudly the Rich family, Joel and Mary Rich. Who are Actually, Berkman wasn't representing the Rich family at all that day. It was just the first of a never-ending list of exaggerations and misleading claims that sent the Rich case in a new direction. Still, the lobbyist seemed sincere about wanting to conduct his own investigation and crack the case. All I could think of was my mother getting the call that Mary Rich got. And the murder of this DNC staffer was the perfect vehicle to promote his views about the existence of a deep state an octopus-like conspiracy that controlled everything the United States government did behind the scenes. I'm a big believer in the deep state. Big believer in the deep state. I used to think it was all nuts, Michael. But the more you look into that stuff, the more real it becomes. And it wasn't just Berkman. The idea that a deep state existed was becoming real to lots of people that fall. I'm Michael Isikoff, and welcome to Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land. The Untold Story of Seth Rich, a special six-part podcast brought to you by Skullduggery. In this series, we dig deep into the story of one young man's senseless murder on the streets of Washington, D.C., and how his death has been twisted into a web of disinformation and paranoia, often for cynical political purposes. This is Episode 3, Fake News Theater. Hey guys, welcome. As you can see, you're in the usual behind-the-curtain studios here, and I want to tell you what I mean by behind-the-curtain. Jack Berkman, a political gadfly and host of his own internet radio show, likes to convey the impression he's plugged in. I'm at parties, I'm at events, I'm at balls, and I hear things nobody else is going to hear. You're getting information here that you just won't hear anywhere else. Always impeccably quaffed and attired, Berkman, a graduate of Georgetown Law School, made a comfortable living lobbying for small to mid-sized financial firms and defense contractors. But according to the lobbying forms we looked at, most of them had dropped him in recent years. His lobbying income, $3.5 million in 2013, had plummeted by more than half three years later. One reason for the drop? His habit of espousing outrageous causes guaranteed to get him publicity. Now, local lobbyist Jack Berkman plans to propose legislation banning gay athletes from joining the National Football League. So what is this about, Jack? Some are already calling this a stunt. 
No, hardly a stunt. It's, it's about restoring common decency, Mike. Journalist Ben Freed, who wrote extensively about Berkman for Washingtonian magazine, remembers when he first saw the press release. But just the bizarreness of getting this notice, I was really tempted to call him up and say, you know, dude, are you serious? <laughs> In the 2016 presidential election, Berkman started out as a Ted Cruz supporter, then became a proud member of the Never Trump coalition. But when Trump secured the nomination, Berkman fell in line, echoing Trump's talking points. If we were in the wake of another 9-11, would there be anybody in the country objecting to a Muslim registry? Hillary Clinton gets off scot-free. She gets away with murder again. Even when there weren't cameras present, Berkman was only too agreeable to talk to us whenever we asked. On the day you die, this will be on your all-time list for wacko <laughs> stories. How did you get involved in the Seth Rich case? Like most things, it was driven by my own animal desires for a better image and uh, my desires to do good. What, did you, what would you say is the primary motivation here? 50-50. Freed thinks that calculation is more than a little off. Jack Berkman's agenda is Jack Berkman. He's a slick talker. He is in an environment where if he throws out the craziest bait imaginable, he will get people to bite. Two months after Seth's death, Berkman offered $105,000 in reward money, dwarfing the standard $25,000 D.C. police offer for unsolved murder cases. Then he reached out to the Rich family. The uh, police chief, Kathy Lanier, she had told us that one of the things that makes a difference is having a good size reward. If you could get that up more in the 75000 range, that's where people start talking. You want to thank somebody who's giving $100,000 for a reward. And so we talk and he explains you know, some of his motivation, which he's gone through. What is he saying to you? We ought to do an event. Uh, if you come back, we ought to do a press conference. It was hard to get the parents on board because I'm obviously a, a conservative Republican. They're very liberal Democrats. They were skeptical. We convinced them we really wanted to help. And then in, around Thanksgiving, November of 16, we did a press conference. And uh, that started it. That was basically a kickoff. And he comes with his own camera crew. And then we had the press conference. And there's things he's saying that he had never talked to us about. Like what? staging a reenactment. We are planning in the near future to do a reenactment of this crime. Uh, as a lawyer, I believe in reenactments, and I think they're a very strong way not just to engage the community, but to really uh, uh, bring forth and attract information and new information. Joel and Mary were stunned by his announcement. A reenactment of the death of their son was the last thing they wanted. It's like, why? We went through one death. You're doing your own thing to try to get your name out. Um, so we stopped talking to him. Do you think he was using you? Yes. As, as others have. As others have. But you don't realize it at the time. You, you're, you're looking for help. Just as Berkman was beginning his investigation, the country would be shocked when another conspiracy played out in real time at a popular D.C. restaurant. A 28-year-old man from North Carolina entered Comet Ping Pong Pizza in Washington, D.C., armed with an assault rifle. Pizzagate, as it became known, began during the closing weeks of the presidential campaign, 
when WikiLeaks published emails stolen from Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta by Russian government hackers. People start going through these and noticing these references to pizza. Will Summer from the Daily Beast was one of the first journalists to notice something unusual in the internet comments about the Podesta emails. Now, they're very innocuous references. They're like, you know, let's order pizza for the campaign volunteers. And then this kind of snowballs. On outlets like Reddit and 4chan, pizza was seen by some as a code word for child porn. Pasta was a synonym for little boy. Sauce became orgy. Normal restaurant mentions morphed into accusations of sex trafficking, satanic rituals, and more. They think... um, like Hillary Clinton and people like that are cannibals and that they're like draining children of this kind of like um, their their adrenaline. How do they do that? So there's this like fake, there's this substance, and as far as I know, it doesn't actually exist, called adrenochrome, and you can only get it from a frightened child. And so the idea is that the kids at Comet Ping Pong or whatever are kind of like they have like a brain tap. And so they're getting this like adrenochrome substance and that's how like Hillary Clinton stays alive or whatever. Um, and so it's like a vampire thing. Peter Singer, a senior fellow at the New America Think Tank, is the author of Like War, a book that addresses how such crazy theories circulate on social media. Like everything, it develops somewhere within the bowels of uh, the internet and various chat rooms and the like. But like any good conspiracy theory, uh, it depended on a couple of things. It depended on uh, the role of what we call super spreaders. If you think about um, in public health, the spread of communicable disease, Not everyone is equal. Uh, There's always a smaller number of people that are actually the ones that connect most of the disease out there, if you're thinking of the spread of the flu or the like. And it's the same thing in online conspiracy theory, these super spreaders. One of those super spreaders was Jack Posobiec, a former Naval Reserve officer turned internet celebrity. During the 2016 campaign, he was the special projects director for a grassroots group called Citizens for Trump. Eight days after the election, Posobiec decided he needed to do his own investigation. There it is, right across the street there. You can see the big sign, Comet, big old Comet, Comet Pizza. And with a companion named George, documented it via live stream. All right, head it over. We're going to do a quick, we're going to do a quick IPOE. IPOE means intelligence preparation of the battle space. So we're, we're going to go in and we're going to infiltrate... Comet Pizza. The two men enter Comet and ask for a booth in the back. Settling in, they continue live streaming. But the Comet manager gets suspicious and with a police officer by his side, confronts the would-be investigators. Evicted from the restaurant, the two continue live streaming on the sidewalk. We saw a, a secret room. A secret room in the very far back of this place. And we saw a uh, little kids going in and out. Three kids at least. And, and then they disappeared. And then a revealing line. See, they're worried that they could try to set Seth Rich me or something like that. But they can't because I'm too public. I'm too big. Try to Seth Rich me. It had been barely four months since Seth Rich's death, and in the world of conspiracists, his name had already become shorthand for a political murder. Basobic never found any evidence of sex trafficking or vampire-like behavior that night. Although he declined to record an interview for this podcast, he told us that his performance was just satire, and he was only joking during the live stream. That wasn't apparent to us when we watched it. 
Whatever his intent, his dramatic descriptions of a secret room where young children disappeared took off like a rocket. His three-part video was viewed 600,000 times on YouTube, and its outlandish claims helped inspire others to take action to attempt to rescue the kids in that secret room. Here's Peter Singer again. But the point was it didn't just kind of uh, stick in people's minds. It motivated action. The believer needs to see themselves as kind of at the center of the story. I know the truth, and why isn't anyone doing something about it? And I will be the hero. In this case, the would-be hero was Edgar Madison Welch, a 28-year-old unemployed actor and volunteer firefighter armed with an AR-15 assault rifle. Edgar hunts for the secret dungeon. He finds the door to it, shoots at it, pulls it open. There's nothing there. It's not just that there's no children held. There's no basement. There's not even a way for there physically to be a dungeon. And so as Edgar is uh, let out by the police, he says something telling. He says, I guess the intelligence on this was wrong. Welch was sentenced to four years in prison, while Posobiec, even though he later acknowledged the whole thing was a hoax, thrived. He got more followers. It gave him more online power. He got invitations to the White House. He even got the ultimate online blessing. He was retweeted multiple times by the most powerful social media voice at Real Donald Trump. The power of these super spreaders is fascinating because we see it not just in Pizzagate, but popping up into other conspiracy theories out there. The eyes of the nation, the eyes of the world are upon this crime. We need all of you. We can't solve this. We can't solve this. Even a mother's passion can't solve this. While Pizzagate was playing out, Jack Berkman was assembling a team to probe Seth Rich's murder. He founded something called the Profiling Project, an endeavor that, naturally enough, got him on TV. You're inside the Profiling Project at an undisclosed location. A group of GWU grad students is taking a forensic look through link analysis at the murder of DNC worker Seth Rich. Berkman asked the Metropolitan Police Department to turn over to him, a private citizen, key pieces of evidence. They refused. Sure proof, he was convinced, there was a cover-up going on. The police would not give me anything. Here you have a guy offering a $105,000 reward and also getting others to offer rewards and driving the whole story, and yet they wouldn't show me a ballistics report. The final straw was where they wouldn't tell me where Seth died. He died in GW Hospital, one of the parts of the GW Health System. Now, I had to find that out through... Uh, a woman who was a federal health contractor, we had to dig and dig and dig for months to find that out. Why would the police, here you have a guy wanting to investigate, why would they conceal the location of the death? Makes no, makes no sense at all. Makes no sense at all. Um, how do you know it was GW? We've confirmed and double confirmed through sources. We have a woman named Christine who was a contractor who was there at the time who was witness to it. We have eyewitness, eyewitness confirmation that he was brought there. So this woman told you she, that he died at George Washington Correct. Hospital and saw what? I don't know if she saw it or she was there in and around. She's somehow a federal health contractor. You can take a look at the email. She told me that she knew from contacts that 
he died there. That's what she said. She also said that she felt that, or she had talked to some of the doctors who'd worked on him, and she felt that nobody would ever want to say anything, and she felt there was a huge amount of secrecy surrounding all of it. Except he didn't die at George Washington University Hospital. Where did he die? He died at Washington Medical Center. We've seen the death certificate. Yeah, I have evidence. I'll show you the evidence I have. You can look at it. But he didn't die there. Where, what have you seen? The death certificate. And it clearly states he died at Washington Medical Center. I'm quite sure we got a number of parts of the investigation wrong. That's what happens when you plunge in and do your best. Uh, you get some things right and some things wrong. As for Berkman's complaint, the cops wouldn't turn over evidence to him. That's standard policy. The Washington police doesn't release evidence in an ongoing investigation for fear of poisoning the well, influencing the pool of potential witnesses. A report just issued by the Profiling Project says the murder was more likely committed by a hired killer. In the summer of 2017, the Profiling Project released an 80-page report on the Seth Rich case. Speaking at a press conference was the man Berkman hired to be in charge of the investigation, a self-styled security professional named Kevin Doherty. And keep that name in mind. The fact that the killer has gotten away with it for this period of time and that it appears it was a very sanitized crime scene um, certainly shows some level of proficiency in, in killing. These are amateur detectives, wannabes, that just don't know what they're talking about. And they're just ignorant. Deborah Sines, the prosecutor who was in charge of the Seth Rich case, thought from the start that the assassination idea was ridiculous. Remember, Seth was shot in the back and stayed alive for more than an hour and a half after his assailants fled. So as a trained homicide prosecutor, you knew right away this was no assassination. Yes. If you are assassinated, it's a rule. You get a headshot and you are not left alive to talk to the police and the ambulance attendants. Homicide 101, assassinations, they do not leave their people alive. But while the report from the profiling project briefly got Berkman some publicity, it was only the warm-up for the lobbyist's most fantastical production, the reenactment of the last days of Seth Rich's life. Big Seth reenactment. You can see it online. Really, I think one of the best reenactments ever done. Don't miss it. You gotta see it. Berkman assembled actors, a director, a cinematographer, as well as a production crew to make an odd five-and-a-half-minute film that he said cost $50,000. Mr. Assange, thank you for taking my call. That's an actor playing a very nervous Seth Rich calling Julian Assange of WikiLeaks, offering to turn over internal DNC emails for money. They'll show that the DNC is doing everything it can to guarantee a Hillary nomination, that they're basically rigging the primary on a secure DNC server. Thousands of them. I've managed to get admin access. But in Berkman's film, the Seth Rich character doesn't stop there. He also goes to visit a lawyer named Natalia Veselnitskaya. You might vaguely recall that name. She's the Russian lawyer who met with Donald Trump Jr. and other top Trump campaign officials during the notorious Trump Tower meeting during the 2016 campaign, an event that, conveniently for Berkman, had just been exposed as he was plotting his reenactment storyline. What can I do for you, Mr. Rich? 
I have access to something you might want. Oh, and what would that be? Do you mind if we shut the door? In this scene, the Sethrich actor enters a small Washington office with a conspicuous prop on the desk, a Russian flag. You know who I work for, right? I know where you work. What do you have for us? Confidential DNC emails. And what do you want in return? Payment. You understand there will be no restrictions once we have these. Of course. Why are you doing this? The DNC is supposed to be impartial, but they're rigging this election for Hillary when Bernie is our only hope. I have the emails to prove it. In fact, you can give them to Trump for all I care. Okay, well, we'll be in touch. There's much that is absurd about this reenactment. There is, of course, no proof that Seth Rich ever talked to Julian Assange. And as for that visit to the office of the Russian lawyer, the real Natalia Veselnitskaya doesn't have an office in the United States. She lives in Moscow, and she doesn't speak a word of English. The climax of the film are invented scenes from the last hours of Seth's life. The first location, Lou's City Bar, where Seth was drinking. Are you okay, Seth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. There's things at work, and I, I just don't have money, not the kind I need. And Kelsey's moving to New York, and you know how much it freaking costs to live in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's tough, man. But I got a plan. I got a plan. And then the director, this guy named Kenny, he yells cut, and then it's time for another take from a different angle, like it was like it was like it was a TV studio. Always looking for ways to get media attention, Berkman offered reporters backstage access to the production. Ben Freed took him up on the offer. And what was Jack doing? Jack was standing off to the side like uh, like an executive producer, minding his film set. How many how many takes did they do? Uh, God, I lost count. They were at that bar for a couple hours. I think the whole thing was nuts. For the final scene, the production moved to the street where Seth was killed. I don't think it really clicked how truly bizarre this was until they were doing that, 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 that death scene. I felt really dirty watching it all go down. What, what do you guys want? Do, do, do you want something? You want my wallet? Here, have it. My phone? You want my phone too? You can have both. Have my watch too. We don't want your damn watch. We're not here for that. What do you want? While all this is going on, take after take after take, I mean, the neighbors are coming, like neighbors are coming up, and they're getting really angry. I mean, they're they're telling, they're yelling at this crew and Berkman, this is fucking disgusting, get out of here. I mean, they're really, really uh, agitated and offended that, that this live production of some crackpot conspiracy theory is happening across the street from them. Save your breath. Turn around, walk. What? Turn walk. Around. You don't want to do anything. What are you walk. doing? And I'm watching this actor playing Seth Rich, you know, act like he's getting shot again and again and again. And it was, you know, like fake news theater. We confronted Berkman about all this. There isn't a shred of evidence that Seth Rich ever called Julian Assange, is there? 
No, 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 we do not. No evidence in that direction. And then the next scene is Seth Rich goes in to see Natalia Veselnitskaya, the Russian lawyer. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Now, yeah. Natalia Veselnitskaya is a Russian lawyer. She doesn't have an office in the United States, and she doesn't speak a word of English. So this entire scene is completely made up. How do you know that that's true? Because she had a lot of meetings with people. Were were there translators? Yes, there were translators at all her meetings. That's not true. She released statements about me where she said it's a lie or this or that. Not not in English. Not in English. Uh, Well, maybe I stand corrected. A lot of it, uh, it, it's a hypothesis. It's something that could be true, and we're not sure if it is true. But what was the purpose of putting out a video with hypotheses for which there is no evidence? Same purpose that FX had in putting out a video about the OJ killing. Exact same purpose. Well, that was entertainment. They were trying to make money by putting on an entertainment show. I mean, everything's entertainment, Michael. (laughs) Everything's entertainment. You can say this much for Jack Berkman. He is tireless in his efforts to uncover dark conspiracies by the deep state. Even if the results weren't always entertaining, Berkman still seemed to wind up in the news. This is a strange story. Conspiracy theories, a high-profile D.C. lobbyist, and a shooting at a Roslyn hotel. It sounds like a Hollywood plot. In 2017, smack in the middle of his Seth Rich investigation, Berkman offered yet another reward. This time, $25,000 for information that would show corruption inside the FBI. Berkman got a response from a would-be whistleblower offering explosive internal FBI emails showing exactly what he was looking for. How would Berkman get his hands on the goods? His anonymous informant proposed a cloak-and-dagger operation straight out of all the president's men. I said, well, you want to leave him at the Marriott desk? And he said, no, I don't, it's too public. He said, we're emailing back and forth. He, and I said, okay, well, what do you want to do? He said, well, there's a garage there. There's a cone, big white cone on the, on the thing, second tier of the garage. I'll leave him under there. You get him. If you like him, you pay me. So Berkman agreed and channeling Bob Woodward from his Watergate days headed to the garage at the Key Bridge Marriott in Roslyn, Virginia, following the instructions of his deep throat to the T. I just figured the guy was a legit whistleblower and really wanted to give me something, and I figured, okay. What did you see? I saw emails in a wrapped up in a thing stuffed into the cone, hard copy emails with a gun band around them. Berkman was convinced he had political dynamite. His informant had left what looked like a string of FBI emails showing then-acting director Andrew McCabe giving orders to agents to doctor evidence submitted to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. I said, man, oh, man, this is exactly what we wanted. I said, uh, we got to get these to the press. Soon, his mysterious source offered more material, an advanced copy of an upcoming Justice Department Inspector General report dissecting the FBI's conduct during the Hillary Clinton email investigation. So Berkman, this time accompanied by his dog Jack Jr., a chocolate dachshund, headed back to pick up the promised intel under the same cone in the parking garage. I picked it up, and I started walking back down the steps. I heard something, and it's, it felt like I was hit with, uh, it, felt like a, it felt like a major league pitcher had hit me with a baseball. That's what it felt like. I never thought I was shot. And then I, I was boom, boom, and then... So, wow. I should be dead. There's no, no way in hell I should be sitting here talking to you. Not even a small chance. Where were you shot? In the leg and in the butt. You heard right. In his attempt to secure deep state conspiracy documents, 
Berkman had been shot in the ass, and his assailant didn't stop there. I'm bleeding. I grab the dog, run out, try to run out, and then he swirls around from the second floor, shoots out the garage, hits me, tries to kill me with a car. Berkman reported all this to the police, and within a few days, they arrested the man who attacked him. Before the shooting, somebody witnessed somebody in an SUV put a package inside a trash can, so the police pulled it out and dusted it for fingerprints. Detectives say the fingerprints belonged to this man, Kevin Doherty. It was the last guy Berkman would have suspected, the very same Kevin Doherty, Berkman's chief investigator on the Seth Rich profiling project. Why Doherty tried to kill Berkman was never clear, although Berkman thinks it was about a falling out over who owned the rights to the profiling project. In December 2018, after pleading guilty, Doherty was sentenced to nine years in state prison. As for those supposedly explosive FBI emails, Berkman now realizes they were fake, and he was the victim of an elaborate hoax. And they're red flags I should have seen. And uh, How'd you miss them? I wanted to see what I wanted to see. And we all do that. I'll just tell you right, I was hungry for it. It's life. Not even getting shot put a damper on Berkman's campaigns to expose the deep state. At periodic but well-attended press conferences, he would continue to promote more hoaxes, suggesting that it was two federal agents who had killed Seth Rich under the direction of Rod Rosenstein, then the U.S. attorney in Maryland, later deputy attorney general. Next, he claimed he had found a woman who would testify that Robert Mueller, when he was FBI director, sexually assaulted her in a New York hotel. More recently, he trained his sights on Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, claiming the South Bend mayor had sexually molested a young college student. Of course, Berkman never produced a shred of evidence to back up any of these baseless claims. Yet the lure of conspiracy was irresistible. Others with much bigger platforms, including the star of Fox News' primetime lineup, would take up the Seth Rich story. Next on episode four of Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land, Fox News Fiction. Newly discovered evidence shows that the 27-year-old former DNC employee was in fact communicating with WikiLeaks before he was gunned down in Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening to this episode of Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land. We need to give a couple of shout-outs here. First, to my Yahoo News colleague Alexander Nazarian, who thought investigating the conspiracies around Seth Rich's murder would be a good idea for a podcast. Thanks also to my Yahoo News colleagues Charity Elder, Dan Clydman, and Mark Seaman for their helpful ideas, as well as to the folks from Long Story Short Media for their invaluable help in producing this podcast. Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land is brought to you by Skullduggery, a weekly podcast that I host with Yahoo Editor-in-Chief Dan Clydman. In each episode, we dissect the latest revelations and controversies surrounding the Trump administration, and we interview key newsmakers, including some of the president's fiercest critics, as well as his most stalwart defenders. If you're enjoying this series, subscribe to Skullduggery and Yahoo News' Conspiracy Land to listen to all our episodes and leave a review.